the help of the Lord, I'll be speaking to you about God's mercy. Uh, the mercy of God is one of the most precious realities in the world, one of the most revealing themes in all the Bible, and one of the most tragically misunderstood truths about God. If you want to know who God really is, if you want to peek into his heart, it is not the display of just his wrath and cosmic power to which you should look. Rather, set your eye on his mercy. Without minimizing the fullness of his might and take in the life-changing panorama. Many of us are prone by nature and nurture to see God's mercy as peripheral or incidental to who he is. We suspect that perhaps he shows mercy by accident or weakness. But if we let the scriptures have their say, we will see that when God shows his mercy, he does so with utter intentionality and strength. And as we, and we as his creatures get our deepest glimpse of who he is, not just in his sovereignty, but in his goodness, not simply in his greatness, but his gentleness, not only in his towering might, but also in his surprising tenderness. But God's mercy not only shows us who he is, but also tells us something essential about ourselves. That we have been shown mercy means not, that, not only that we didn't deserve his favor, but that we deserved his righteous hammer against the anvil of justice. Our cry for mercy admits our ill-deserving, not just undeserving. Um, in Ephesians, uh, page two through, <clears throat> sorry, Ephesians chapter two, verses three and four, which Wade read for us earlier. I'm going to be turning to these pages also along with you. So <clears throat> hopefully it won't be going too fast. Um, we see that it says, among whom also we had our conversation in times past and the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. And then in Luke <coughs> uh, chapter 1, verse 78, Chapter 1 and verse 78. Okay. Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby they spring on high, hath visited us. But we are not the first to peer into his heart and catch a glimpse of his fatherly posture toward us. God has made the world to turn again and again on fresh revelations of his mercy. Mercy fuels compassion, providing promising glints of light in a darkened world. It's kindness, forward forgiveness, and empathy. Mercy chooses not to be offended and compassionately sees a hurting heart behind hurtful words. God's mercy is reflected in the cross of Christ a direct reflection of his love for us. Mercy is an extension and expression of love, an act of kindness, compassion, or favor. 
Um, where was I? Hmm? All righty, thank you. Um, where was I? Compassion or favor. Mercy is a characteristic of the one true God. Now, what does the Bible say that mercy is? Uh, we'll be going to Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. Lamentations, here we go. Chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. Oops, wrong page. There we go. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. But we are not the first, oops, I backed up. Uh, God's plan stems from his merciful love for his people, knowing there was nothing we could do to earn our way into his presence. He made a way through the crucifixion of Christ. Defeating death, Jesus opened up an access to God for us. Through prayer, God's word, and the Holy Spirit living in us, each day brings fresh new mercy. Every morning, God is faithful, even though every day we fall short. Mercy is God's gift to the repentant heart. We are so blessed to have a God that sheds mercy upon us all. We continue to come short due to our sin nature, and God continues to bless us and shed his grace and mercy upon us, even though we deserve the lake of fire for just one sin. The following verses define this element of God's love. Psalm uh, 86, uh, verse 5. Psalm 86. Okay, Psalm 86, verse 5. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all that call upon thee. And then in Titus, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 5. Look forward a little bit in your Bibles. A little bit, a little more than a little bit. 16. Okay, here we go. Titus 3, verse 5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Now, what is God's mercy? God's mercy is closely akin with forgiveness. What we do in response to God's mercy sends an important message to the people in our lives. James is very clear in his letter that through deeds, though deeds are not required to earn God's favor or to be a Christian, a repentant heart that loves God will surely be evident by the lives we live. In this article, Have Mercy on Me, when God shows his mercy, 
he does so with utter intentionality and strength as we, his creatures, get our deepest glimpse of who he is not, he is not just in his sovereignty, but his goodness. God has chosen to be merciful to his people. Mercy is an expression of who he is and his love for us. Uh, James chapter 3 and verse 17 says, James chapter 3, verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Thankfully, God doesn't have any hypocrisy. We get plenty of that down here on earth. Uh, we see it every day in our uh, leaders, in our government, and also in many of the things that we hear people say, and then they turn around and do something completely opposite. <clears throat> and what we're going to see now, I think I'm getting a little bit behind. Okay. Next is, uh, what are the benefits of God's mercy? The benefits of God's mercy include peace, love, and joy. None of the behaviors Luke speaks of come naturally. In Christ, mercy and truth meet together. Christ-centered people, excuse me, that Christ-centered people see the world through his perspective, and his love flows through their lives. When we are merciful to others, it brings their hearts and ours joy. When we submit to his merciful ways, we choose to acknowledge peace. Apart from Christ, this is impossible. Thankfully, his mercies are new every morning. Mercy is a cornerstone characteristic of God, evidenced by its repetition in Scripture. It's mentioned 260 two times in the King James Version, 157 times in the English Standard Version, 99 times in the New American Standard Bible, 170 times in the Amplified Bible, and 146 in the New English Translation, according to Bible Gateway. However, it's mentioned additionally as mercies and merciful. <clears throat> In Psalm 85, verses 15 and 16, 86, excuse me, thank you, Wade. Psalm 86, 15 and 16, 86, 15 and 16. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. O turn unto me, and have mercy upon me. Give thy strength unto thy servant, and save the son of thine handmaid. Are mercy and grace related? Love is the common denominator between mercy and grace. Mercy is what gets us out of trouble. Grace is give is what gives us what we don't deserve. By grace, Jesus saved us, and mercy flowed from Jesus' Jesus's last words, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
mercy and grace, love and forgiveness are characteristics of the one true God, functioning in tandem as he sits sovereign on the throne of heaven. The mystery of our true in God knits these traits together in a beautiful tapestry of redemption and restoration for all of us. We truly are so blessed to have a God that continually shows mercy on us when we deserve to burn in the lake of fire. There are many, there are four examples of mercy in the Bible. The Israelites in the desert. God certainly chose to be merciful to his people. He loved them despite their rebellion and ungratefulness. God's covenant with them was out of his mercy. He chose to bless them with, with what they did not deserve. In Exodus chapter 16, verse 12, we read, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel. Speak unto them, saying, At even ye shall eat flesh, and in the morning ye shall be filled with bread, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God. Now, if you remember uh, when I did the uh, sermons about Moses, um, there were many times that the people of Israel no matter what God seemed to do, they were ungrateful. He leads them out of Egypt by his mighty hand. He parts the Red Sea before them to show his power and gets them away from Pharaoh's chariots and his wrath. And still, they do not believe. And I remember uh, a verse in the Bible, it's probably in there a couple of times, saying uh, God... I'm not really paraphrasing, but he was saying something about a stiff-necked people. And then uh, they're complaining they don't have anything to eat. You left us alone in the wilderness. We'd be better off to die in, um, in uh, Egypt and things like that. He answered their complaints with food, water, protection, and provision. The story of the Exodus is repeated many times in the Bible and referenced in regards to many of the characteristics of God, including his mercy. Now, King David, a uh, man after God's own heart, slayer of the giant Goliath and chosen king, committed adultery with someone else's wife and then had her husband killed in battle. Sin has the power to overtake even the most arduous followers of Christ. Consequences will always become our reality as they were for David. But God will never falter in his mercy for us. Lucky us. Through the consequences for our bad choices are hard and harsh. Our merciful God never leaves us. Uh, Paul Paul formerly, Saul, supported the crusade against Christianity. He was responsible for the death of Christians. Then he ran into Jesus, and in Acts, <coughs> uh, ver excuse me, Acts chapter nine, verse five. Acts chapter nine, verse five. And a pastor had uh, talked about this or mentioned this scripture the last time he did uh, his sermon. And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, 
I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And if you remember, <clears throat> Pastor had said that Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit pricking his heart uh, to make him realize uh, the things that he was doing. Jesus's mercy to forgive him ignited his faith and propelled him forward. Paul went on to survive shipwrecks, jail, beatings, and other calamities, all while writing the letters to encourage the churches he was planting along the way. Paul, in every letter he wrote, magnified mercy, and he had experienced it firsthand. And then there was the adulterous woman. <clears throat> we don't know what he was writing in the dust, but Jesus's mercy spoke loud enough for all to hear and be convicted. Mercy is forgiveness and compassion extended to those who do not deserve it. The accusers and the adulterers, he chooses to extend mercy. Oh, excuse me, I read that wrong. Uh, forgiveness extended to those who do not deserve it, the accusers and the adulterers. He chooses to extend mercy to us, and he is unchanging. We cannot fail our way out of God's love. Good thing. In John chapter 8, verses 6 through 11. John chapter 8. This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted himself up and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Now, mercy is forgiveness and, and compassion extended to those who do not deserve it. The accusers and the adulterers, he chooses to extend mercy to us, and he is unchanging. We cannot fail our way out of God's love, as I had said before. What does mercy mean for Christians? Am I right about it? Okay. All righty. Society is entrenched with entitlement alongside the ever-prevalent needy and oppressed. We are not to sit idle. Our natural tendency is to act in sinful, selfish ways. It is only with a transformed heart that we can truly be merciful towards someone else. Mercy releases human understanding in order to adopt the command to love people he places in our lives. God, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Jesus, have mercy. 
When we pray like that, we will find the mercy we need from God. Mercy allows us to experience love, forgiveness, compassion, peace, and joy, whether we deserve it or not. When we see others striving to see the other side of someone's anger, crossing a picket line to, uh, to forgive, or pulling over to help a wandering soul, then love, encouragement, and joy permeate the thick fog of confusion and entitlement. We would be wholly lost if it weren't for the abundant mercy of our Heavenly Father. He has mercy on us, so we are to have mercy on others. Um, God showed uh, the ultimate mercy on his people with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I know I've uh, experienced a lot of uh, God's mercy. Um, I keep bringing it up, but it's um, it'll be forever ingrained in my mind about uh, Hurricane Ian over a year ago. Um, as you all know, I was praying to God that we would be safe from the storm. It was quite a vicious storm. We spent two or three hours uh, here in Arcadia in some of the worst parts of the storm just outside the eye, which it might have given us a slight break if we had gone through the eye, but it went around and we were uh, maybe from 12 o'clock all the way down to around 3 o'clock in the worst parts of the storm. Um, I've shown some of you a video of that I found online uh, of um, extreme weather events and the wind that I saw blowing past the house from the north. Um, I'm amazed that my oak tree out front is still standing or even that uh, the roof is still on our house. Uh, I thank God that we had a new roof put on a few years ago. And I also thank him that he spared our house any severe damage. Um, so um, I have definitely felt the Lord's mercy. Now it says, what does mercy reveal about God's character? Mercy reveals how just and fair, yet loving and compassionate God is. My anthem to my children is, you are always forgiven and never loved less. I don't want them to associate who they are with the mistakes they are bound to make every day. Mistakes can do a number on our self-esteem. If we <clears throat> don't stop to breathe Yahweh into our situations and remain ourselves, we are his children. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16... Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We are forgiven because of God's mercy and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by, by becoming obedient to death even on a cross. Of course, I'm speaking of the Lord Jesus. God's mercy not only shows us who he is, but also tells us something about ourselves. We are children of the one true God. He has written our names as citizens in heaven by 
his mercy. Now there are people who saw God's mercy. There was Moses. The first great glimpse of God's mercy came to Moses in one of the most important passages in all the Bible. After Moses had asked God to show him his glory, God answers in Exodus 33, verse 19. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. That's a very popular and well-heard uh, verse, verses in the Bible, or verse in the Bible. When, I, when asked to show his mercy, or to show his glory, God puts his goodness in grace and mercy on display, and his utter freedom in showing his mercy to whomever he chooses. Israel may not be all that more righteous than Pharaoh and the Egyptians, but God merc God's mercy on Israel is not based on Israel's efforts and earning. Rather, God, as God, is utterly free to show mercy to whom he will. And he has chosen to be merciful to his people. God is not unjust. By no means <clears throat> will he clear the guilty and sweep sin under the rug. But the leading revelation of his glory is his mercy. The first and greatest truth for his people to know about him is he is a God merciful and gracious. His grace and mercy shine as the apex of his glory. He is slow to anger. He will show wrath and justly so. It would be unloving to his people if he did not get angry when they were threatened and assaulted. And yet, <clears throat> even in such justice, he is slow to anger. Wrath is his righteous response to evil, but it is not his heart. Justice is the stem. Mercy is the flower. Now there's David. Moses' glimpse of the merciful God rightly became the leading revelation in Israel. It would be remembered even as his people turned their backs to him. The prophets celebrated him as gracious and merciful. It should be no surprise then that Israel's great psalmist, King David, would cast himself utterly on the mercy of God. He began his great song of confession as we read in Psalm 51, verse 1. <clears throat> Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Jeremiah wept for mercy. In the generations after David, Israel fell into a spear spiral of moral decline. Eventually came the bleak moment Moses had foreseen as inevitable in the hard and wandering hearts of the people. In 587 BC, the Babylonians besieged, conquered, and decimated Jerusalem. It was the most tragic and horrific moment in all of the Old Testament. 
the city was so famished and desperate that women boiled and ate their own babies. In Lamentations 4, verse 10, we read, The hands of the pitiful women have sodden their own children. They, <clears throat> they were their meat in the destruction of the daughter of my people. Into these blackest of times, the prophet Jeremiah penned the darkness, the darkest and most despairing verses in all the Bible, the book of Lamentations. Chapter 3 is the heart of his lament, where the pain is most exposed and hope seems almost lost. Yet even here, faith shines forth as the prophet gets a glimpse into the heart of God through his mercy. In the very time and the very place where God's people would be most tempted to abandon hope, the prophet points to the mercies of God, never ceasing and new every day. Now Paul marveled at mercy. Then in the fullness of time, God sent his own son, not simply to dispense his mercy, but to embody it. Jesus is the mercy of God made human. He didn't just teach his people to echo God's mercy in their lives, but he himself was and is the mercy of God to us. Fittingly, the most prominent request made of Jesus in the Gospels is, have mercy on me, which is precisely what he did in his perfect life. Sacrificial death and triumphant resurrection, extending God's mercy, not just to Israel, but to all the nations by faith. The Apostle Paul, who received his ministry because of God's mercy, became the instrument of the decisive revelation. What Moses first saw, <clears throat> and David fell on, and Jeremiah wept for, Paul saw on the other side of Christ, and he marveled. In all the Bible, Paul gives us the clearest vantage into, as Romans 9.16 says. The God who has mercy, literally the mercy having God. In other words, God's mercy expresses his heart, as Paul will show, in a way that that the demonstration of his wrath and the display of his power do not. In Romans 9, verses 22 and 23, what if God, willing to show his wrath, and to make his power known, endured with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had afore prepared unto glory. This gives us the deepest glimpse into God's heart, and what we find at bottom, at the bottom, is mercy. This is perhaps as deep as the Bible goes in explaining to us why God governs his creation as he does. Paul puts it in the form of a question, not because he's unsure of the truth, but for rhetorical effect, because it is awesome and sobering to contemplate. 
what if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make his, known his power, has endured with much patience the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory? Make no mistake, God does make known his omnipotence, and he does show his righteous wrath. He is holy to not demonstrate wrath in a world of sin and rebellion against him would be untrue to himself and unloving to his people. God is phenomenally powerful beyond our human capacity to comprehend it. And such an almighty God indeed shows wrath at the trampling of his glory and the harming of his people. But wrath is not his heart. Severity in God always serves his heart of mercy to make known the riches of his glory to his people who are the vessels of his mercy. <clears throat> I would um, ask you to entrust yourselves to mercy. Our God is not simply sovereign, wonderful as it is to celebrate, and he is not only a God of uncompromising justice, thankful as we are that he is, he is the mercy-having God who invites us to look not only at his awesome authority and sovereign strength, but to set our eyes on his mercy and see into his very heart. And trust yourself to the God who has mercy. And lastly, I have a prayer thanking God for his mercy, and we will close with this. Our most gracious and heavenly Father, today we praise you for mercy, how you see us for who we are, mess and all, and choose to embrace us completely. Always forgiven, never loved less. We come to you with contrite hearts, praying for the redemptive stature you desire from our hearts and forgiveness for the sins we commit daily. The mistakes we make are endless and forthcoming, making your mercy so important to our joy and hope. Daily, your mercies are new. Daily, we can come to you for forgiveness and know that we are still loved, called, and purposed. Thank you for your sac the sacrificial death of Christ, which opened up the channel of communication through your word and prayer. Send your spirit to help us understand and embrace your truth, applying it to our everyday lives. Father, bless and heal our hurts. Bring healing to the pain that touches our lives and the lives of those around us. Remind us daily, you are good. In the Lord Jesus' name, amen. Okay, thank you everybody for your attentiveness. Yep, time to celebrate Brother Chuck's birthday.